every year for around Christmas time, uh, one of my buddies, John Harrell, I teach a pistol class with them for mm -hmm. Double Tap Training Academy. He kind of, we exchange Christmas presents and he always gets me a, a um, gift certificate for Joe's Crab Shack. Okay. So I go to Joe's Crab Shack once a year. Nice. I can't overdo myself with, with seafood because I've had some bad seafood experiences like Red Lobster and, and and stuff like that. We went to the Red Lobster over in Longmont, uh, Heidi and I, and mm -hmm. as soon as you walked in the, the door, uh, it's just an overwhelming nasty smell and i'm like dude, i hate the smell of fish i'm like dude it smells like an anchovy's crotch in here yeah it does and when we finally got seated and everything and they brought us crab legs they were like they look like arthritic hands mm -hmm. you know so i was like yeah i'm gonna pass on this well the next the next experience i had was going to blackhawk up here the gambling town yep, the casino <clears throat> and they have uh, the buffets i love buffets buffets are my favorite especially chinese buffets i always drown them out of all their dumplings mm-hmm so uh, the waitress that was up there, I got crab legs in a bucket, and they were, you know, they Decent. were good. Yeah, they were good. Okay, and we're landlocked. You realize? Yeah. I, okay. I, oh, I get it. I yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I still do it. All right. So, anyways, uh, she comes up and she's like, "Well, do you know how to eat crab legs?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you break it open and you pull the meat out and you dip it in the sauce and then you eat it." Mm -hmm. She's like, "No, you got to hold it up to the light. You got to find which side the meat's on, and then you grab the." I don't know, with the joint or whatever, where if you're looking at your finger or whatever, grab the, the small one and bend it back, and then these two little tendons come out, and they look like a peace sign, and then you crack it here, and then you do this, and she's like finger-fucking all of my food, right? She was touching it while she's telling you? <laughs> yes, and if you don't know me, I have a problem with that. Yeah. So I'm like, I can't believe it, and she's like, oh, I used to work at Red Lobster, and that just sealed the deal for me. I was, like, I was like, okay, well, I'm done with crab. That's Sally Manella. Yeah, there's a, you're going to get salmonella. There's not even salmon in it. I don't know why you're worried. Right, right. So um, fast forward, uh, Joe's Crab Shack. Joe's Crab, mm -hmm. ca Crab Shack is the only place I'll go to eat seafood anymore. So we went one year, um, I think it was like in the February time frame, so it was still cold outside, you know, and I had, I had a nice pea coat and a nice dress shirt on, and we go in, and it's me and Heidi, and we, we get in there, and it's jam-packed full of people. It's always jam-packed whenever we go, and... A lot of the waiters and waitresses, I don't know, servers, right? Yeah, That's what you servers. got. You got to call them now. So uh, there's a bunch of young servers up at the front, and you know, wearing flare. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're flared up. At least thirty-seven pieces <laughs> a piece. And um, so we're asking for a table for two, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's going to be like a forty-five minute wait. What can I put your name in as?" And I said, uh, "You can put me in as Doctor Venkman." <laughs> nice. And they were like, oh, okay, thanks, doctor. And they, yep. they wrote it all up and mm -hmm. everything. And I looked at Heidi and I was like, really? They go for that? Five minutes later, we were seated. They're too young. They yeah, don't they don't know. know. They don't know who so Dr. Venkman is. Yeah, so you guys can use that. Yes. So go to Crab, Joe's Crab Shack. Tell them you're Dr. Venkman. You'll get seated within five minutes. There you go. That, that's, that's awesome. This is Mike from Mile High Shooting. And Frank from Sniper's Hole. And we're back with the Everyday Sniper. Everyday Sniper. Everyday Sniper. And we left off at... Was a yeah, we left. We had a great talk about Brian's place. And I just want to do a quick, right into it, quick follow-up. One of the things we were discussing, because a lot of 308, 300 Win Mag stuff we were talking about, we were talking distances. And there's this whole Gucci idea that you can take your 308 and turn it into a really bad 9mm and shoot it at a mile. And you're going to actually do something, which is a, a, a lot of horse shit. 
But um, so we were saying, well, what do you do with these situations? And it was exactly like we talked about with my Korea team spirit story. Get closer. If you need to take a shot beyond max effective range and you're in that thing like that, get closer. One of the things we were looking at with those, like the elk, did you see in the beginning of the video, all the elk running through mm -hmm. the, the thing? That was only like 400 yards away, you know? But if you had to do a shot like that from that canyons to canyons, you can stalk around and get closer to make sure you're going to make that shot, unless you're Adam and you do the 1157 or whatever it was. <laughs> right, but that wasn't a 308. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't a 308, though. But understand the context of where you are and what you're trying to do and don't fall for the hype of thinking that they can number one drop you anywhere in the world and expect you to get a first round hit the the benefit uh is building the position seeing the results of your shot and making the correction there's so many variables that you can't predict you can't see you know you're too far away from so when in doubt, get a little closer. Yeah, if you want your, or get a bigger gun. If then, you want your 308 to shoot like a 260, get a 260. Get a 260. If you want your Chevy to drive like a Cadillac, you get a Cadillac. We were bitching about a lady in a Cadillac yesterday, so we're driving up the road, and there's this stretch of 30 second there going towards Coors and Golden. Mm -hmm. People drive. The speed limit is posted as 30. Yeah, I every, hate driving down there. Period. Right. So the speed limit is posted as 30, and this lady in front of us in her damn Cadillac was going 28 miles an hour the entire length of the road. Blue hair, couldn't and, see and, over and the steering like, wheel. It's like that Cadillac's got nothing but motor in it, right. and she's doing 28. Got and, a Corvette yeah, engine. Yeah. Kim's like, if you're going to drive like you got a Yugo, just go get a damn Yugo. <laughs> and she's pulling out the Yugo references. Because this friggin' Cadillac, and this Cadillac's ass was off the ground, man. It's got big old tires. It's up off the ground. It's even got like a cool little like speed rake to it. That's because they they modeled them after an arrow, like a yeah. like a bow and arrow, right? Arrow, right? So, and, and, and the lady's doing twenty eight miles an hour. I was like, no. Well, that and those those streets down there are pretty narrow, dude. Yeah, thirty seconds not not big at all. But so especially with the bike lanes, everyone's on the bikes. You got to always watch the bikers. Summertime's coming, bikers, man. Bikes and bikers. Yeah, if you're a biker and you're listening to this, and we're not talking about like motorcycles, I'm talking about people on a pedal bike. Bicycles, yeah. Yeah, keep your ass off the highways, please. That shit is so irritating to me. Like you're not paying any of the of the road fees. They probably have a car. They paid something. Yeah, but keep your bike off the street, would you? Damn, they're on the side. They it don't. Is so it. irritating, man. I, I watched a uh, a dude pull out. You're angry, man. I, I'm just, you know, I'm not even going to talk about it. All right, so where's our, what's our next, we won't go. So we want to, <laughs> we're going to finish up with tripods and building the position. So, so yeah, you, you guys did a lot of high angle shooting. Let's talk about the tripod first. So, okay. And then, we'll, and then we'll talk about building up that position. So there's a, a couple different accessories that you can get for your tripod, whether it's a ball head or leveling base. And one has like... Uh, the leveling, leveling base has like an 18 degree down, 18 degree up, you know, a total of maybe 36 degrees, 33 movement, degrees right. of movement up and down. Uh, it has, you know, you pan left and right, no problem. Uh, with the ball head, you're getting more of that 180, yeah, almost 180 it's 360, yeah. 180. You can point straight down. You can point straight up. You can go all the way around the ball. 
but it's it's another layer that you're adding so on. So with that high angle shooting, a lot of people think that using a leveling base is not really a good way to go when it comes down to actually shooting high up angles. Right. And it looked or like, down or right. down. Yeah, and it looked like you were able to defeat a lot of that if you were using a leveling base. Yes, you could totally use a leveling base with that. The movement is so tiny because you're using the legs. Distance should give you time and opportunity. I've said this many, many, many times. With the recce teams and the stuff like that, what Brian's dealing with, it's not it's not an immediate go-to-gun. It's not a 90-second stage like a PRS. They're probably going to be set up for several days. but So this is where he has that creativity to then start playing with the legs. And now you're moving your legs. He also has a, a position for shooting down where he brings that... That leg I was I, I had under my knee, mm -hmm. he brings over the top if you're shooting down on the reverse slope. So think about the that upslope, reverse slope, and things like that. You can put the legs down, take that leg up off the ground, now put it above you. It becomes a bench. You can rest your firing elbow on it and have it on the rifle that way. And so you can do the leg up over the top to shoot down and get more out of it or you can do like I did extend the leg out all the way open it and drag it down and then you're bringing that leveling base on target up to the target so you have plenty of room with a leveling base it's a lot more stable lower center of gravity doesn't have the stem uh, it doesn't it, I think it's cheaper too it is it's a couple hundred dollars cheaper yeah because the ball head the 55 ball head is like 400 450 First price wise, it's four and change. That and you can take apart that leveling base fairly easy to clean out. Clean that, it out yeah, so. and, and do all that. So the the leveling base is gonna be really universal if you're doing square range stuff, but it is adaptable if you play with the legs and you start learning your legs. This is where silver sharpie stuff comes in to mark in your legs and knowing where your adjustments are and and building a stable position. The success rate is dependent on your position. The success rate is dependent on your fundamentals, okay? The success rate can be caliber dependent, depending on the conditions wind-wise. So if you look at all these things, you want that leveling base and you want that tripod to build you a solid position, increase your success rate. So that's that really, really helped. And I think this anvil is going to, Everybody's asking me about the anvil. I don't know about you guys. I'm getting beat the frig up. Wait, wait do I wait for the anvil? Do yeah, I... not so much, but a little bit. I'm I mean, getting like, it we, a lot. We're getting a, a few inquiries about it just because they know something new is coming out. And, right. And uh, a lot of people have been waiting on it. And I've and the I, I didn't spend as much time with it as you have. It's so. attempting to get the best of both worlds. It's attempting to give you ball head movement with leveling base stability. So it's a hybrid of the leveling base and the ball head brought together in a smaller package which brings it lower into the center of the tripod and still give you the movement and strength. Uh, if you guys look back to SHOT Show with the anvil, it was holding the AX50 up right. at a steep angle. It was. So the AX50 works with it. You're increasing the weight, which a leveling base can do. Where you might start running into position into situations with the ball head, an anvil falls between the BH fifty five and the BH forty. The BH forty is the small one that goes on like the 23, 24. The BH fifty five is what you see more on the thirty threes. Although I have my BH fifty five 
on my pig saddle from hog saddle. So my really right stuff, I have the 23 set up with the BH40 in the center column. And that was what was in the picture that you saw. People were asking me what my center column setup was. It's just a, it's, and that comes out. That center column could be removed to a smaller leveling base, or you could put the cap in there and use the BH40, which is the smaller ball head. What I really like about the the ball heads in with the really right stuff mm -hmm. is when you actually lock that ball head into place in that center column area and that what I call a core basically, so the core of that uh, mm -hmm. tripod. So at the apex where all your legs meet is that core section. When you actually undo the screws and pull out the ball head, there's a ring that's inside. Yes, double ring. Right. So that, that ring is actually what's clamping onto your ball head, and you're getting like 80 to 90% of connectivity on that, which is um, a lot better to me than some of the other tripods that are out there, where when you screw in that center core, it's, it's, hollow. it's, it's hollow, but it's biting into the metal of the, the core right. or whatever it is that you're using, the ball head section, it's biting into the metal in just three positions instead of 90% around the actual ball head itself. Yes. And I think that's that's a more secure lockup section than you would find in other tripods. And, and just to clarify too, the only reason I'm using a center column is for some of the discussion regarding adjustments for like loopholes and things like that and a little bit quicker adjustment. I think... It's not as secure a system as the leveling base in the mounts that are straight onto the apex of the legs, but the, the, the center column serves a purpose, and usually it's these short center columns. You're only doing a few inches of adjustment to line up like on a loophole or something like that. I'm not doing it really. It's, 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 a, it's an extra expense. It's a little bit weaker overall system because there's some movement in that column height-wise, but I'm doing it to serve a purpose. My other ones don't have that. My 33 doesn't have it. I use the leveling base. And um, the, the short 14 that I have doesn't have it either. Or yes, it does have a center column because that's how the 14 comes. But it's, if you're here, it's, people are asking me three leg or four leg. That question's coming up. How are you guys at Mile High answering a 34 or a 33 question? Um, it, it basically comes down to how small you can compact it when you're, when you're, uh, and then how tall I'm telling yeah. people how tall they so, are. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's back and forth between the two with, um, with the 33 and the 34, you have a three section leg, you have a four section leg. The three section leg when it's compressed is taller than the four section leg. So some guys are like, I want something shorter right. that I can put in my bag and then go. And then some guys are like, you know, I need something that's really tall because I'm like seven feet tall or whatever. And I don't want to be hunkering down on this, yeah. on this tripod. And what I've done in the past is I'm taller than these tripods that are out there. I still have to lean down or when we're spotting when we mm -hmm. have a class. I just bring those legs closer together and it brings it. Raises the, it yeah, up. it raises the tripod for me so I don't have a problem. I just got to hang on to it when the wind kicks up. Yeah. The so, wind's a big factor with blowing you around. With the, um, I want to talk about that Seekins gun real quick because there are some accessories there. And the way that they built that forend is flat on the bottom, which you right. don't find with a lot of ARs. We talked about that a lot because that is a net easier. It's either a net positive or a net negative for guys. And Glenn and I spoke about that at length. I think it's a positive because everybody's going to the tripod mounted stuff. Mm -hmm. So now you have that really right stuff rail yep. where, where you connect it to the, uh, to the ball head. But a lot of ARs that are out there are rounded. Mm -hmm. So trying to get 
that type of, you know, the Arca Swiss really right, right attachment onto that forend, none of those are radius. They're all flat Yeah. as far as the, the rail goes. But now you, you know, introduce the, the Seekins rifle, that SP-10, mm-hmm. where it has that flat rail and then you can put that hard rail on there and connect it to that gun. And you you kind of touched on it a little bit. Yeah, how I slid it down slid into it me and, and Glenn's got some stuff with that. And, and that, the door kicker crew... With the small AR-15s, like the round, they want the C-clamp, they want their hand over it. The precision rifle guys doing the SP-10s, which are your larger centerfires, want the flat. And so it becomes a case of where you're holding it, and some people feel the flat is too wide in their palm. And other people, like in the what we're doing, precision rifle, the flat is preferred. And it Glenn is. went to because act. you're shooting off of stuff too, right? You're not just shooting off that tripod; you're shooting off of a barricade. You're, sh- you know, you need something flat so that the gun's not canting around on you. You can, yes, you know, lock it's, it in. It's not a trying position. to rotate on the round. And you can use it with a hog saddle or a really right stuff vice. I prefer personally. I prefer the vice just mm-hmm. because it has. Uh, two screws that'll go in there. What I've noticed with a hog saddle in the past for me is that if you don't, you know, put the right QR plate or the quick release plate on the bottom, it only has one screw. So eventually it's going to loosen up Yeah. and it starts to kind of wobble around and everything. But with that really right stuff vice, the material on the inside is different. The clamp actually, uh, it's, wider. Cl- it, it wide, it's wider and it doesn't come loose when you widen it out too much. Mm-hmm. But also it compresses smaller so that those really thin like Leica rangefinders or the SIG rangefinders yep, will you fit. Can fit right into that vice. So they're, um, they're both good good tools. I like the hog saddle guys. I've known them for a while, and 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 he was he was the leader of the pack when it came to doing this. So you got to give him his props. But yeah, the really right stuff and the accessories like what, what we were talking about the hard gear rail putting that on and that allows you that ability to move forward and back. I just switched over this weekend with you guys, uh, two of my uh, Atlas bipods mm-hmm. to the really right stuff mount, the pick. Ex- the, the pick rail. It's the Arca, pick Arca Swiss or right stuff dovetail. Right stuff dovetail. So there it works go. for both. That's the word I was looking for, dovetail. Yeah. So the, 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 I changed the ADM mount on my uh, Atlases off. I put the really right stuff mount that works for both in one device, pick rail. Or a really right stuff dovetail, and then it allows you to slide on the dovetail. Yeah, and mo- it's what you got was the basically like a nut on the side instead of the, the throw the, lever. The throw lever. So the difference between the two is you can the the throw lever one that you put on your bipods, you can put it in a half position and then still slide it up and down the rail and still making that connection. Yep. And then you can tighten it down, or you can throw it all the way open and move it to a different part of your gun with the. Uh, the one that you got, the nut that actually has the pick rail adapter and the uh, really right dovetail adapter, um, you can just loosen it up, not even a quarter of a turn, slide it to where you need to do it. And tighten or, it. Yeah. Or uh, some guys who are using uh, like the, the AIs mm-hmm. where they've come up with those, replace the forend with the really right stuff dovetail. Mm-hmm. And then on the actual, like the plastic piece forend, they'll replace that with the right, really the right stuff. Right, the little angled grip that was up front yep. has now got the black uh, dovetail. And then up front, if you don't want to do a full Arca rail, you just want to put a pick rail, that bipod adapter will still work. Works with both. Yep. Yeah. And um, that I, I, I do, I thought I saw really right stuff sore, S-O-A-R. S-O-A-R. Um, had a throw levers coming out now too. 
I thought I saw them doing something throw leverage. Yeah, I think they're making a kind of a crossbreed between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I've had a lot of requests for that, and a lot of guys wondering where it's at. And right now, we're super short on the Harris adapters, the one that you got for your mm-hmm. your Atlas one. And we've been on we've we've been out of those for a little while, but we typically have a monthly order going into those guys, so we're we're moving a lot of their stuff. But just be patient on the Harris stuff. It's around. I'm using the Harris one because I, I don't mind the Harris. It's it's been doing a lot of good stuff for me when I can get a cow bipod. Yeah, that's going to be different. Don't have the cow that, yet. The cow's have, nice. Those are on order. Those are coming in. I got a waiting list for those. But as soon as I get the cows in, I'm probably going to swap back over from from Atlas to Harris to yeah. back to Atlas. So I've been just kind of running back and forth. I run both the bipods, so it's not an issue. But it's really nice to have that capability of uh, being able to go onto the pick rail or onto the dovetail. So and and again, going back to the previous podcast in in Brian Morgan's location. This is part of the secret too with the with the you know any competitions and stuff like that. It's getting in and out of the position. Make sure you're learning the the ability for you to move in a position efficiently and quickly and move out of a position efficiently and quickly. Setting up the tripod e- efficiently and getting out of it efficiently. It's not often, I mean, you'll see guys that that oh, they've gone and in and you know invested all the money in this equipment, they run up to their first stage never having practiced with it. And the next thing you know, 45 seconds in, you see shit flying in the air about four feet with it coming out. They're throwing their bag. They're throwing their tripod. They're tangled up in their equipment. Don't just practice shooting. Practice building your positions and getting in and then getting out. Because that's really is what, that's what, the, that's what differentiates the, the guys who are doing it on a higher level successfully and a guy who might have all the best gear, but you know, a bottom 50 shooter. It's your shooter versus gun guy. Yeah. It's just so, right. Yeah. And that's what, it, and that's a good segue going into building a position. So the, what we saw from your videos and what you were doing up there, let's see if we can break this down a little bit because you're doing some stuff that's new, like I, stuff that I haven't seen. Adam was talking about it. Right. When he he came saw back it. Cause he saw cause it. You, he saw it a couple of weeks prior to you going up there, but I hadn't seen any footage at that point. I didn't know it. He was like, I want to show you something new with the tripod. And I was like, all right, we just haven't had a chance to actually sit down and mess around with some equipment. Right. So let's break that down because what you were doing was different. Yes. It yes. wasn't something that... And it, that was all Brian, man. And a lot of people have been commenting on it, too. They're like, yes. wow, that looks super steady. Even on YouTube and stuff. Where'd you come like, up with that? Right. Brian came up with it. And Brian was just cool enough to share the uh, video. Or not the video. Yeah. yeah. Brian was cool enough to share his techniques with everybody. Brian's a generous guy. Um, he, he's, he's super good with all that. And uh, he was kind enough to share everything he learned from... The angle and using the straight line distance versus the corrected. From the wind to getting that first round on there and building the position to see the result because it's too unpredictable up there. To the tripod position that he's using. To, I mean, even, you know, some of uh, of the other stuff he's doing, Kestrel-wise and, and different things. So, I was going to say. Yeah, so Brian, Brian's definitely, we saw we had an intermission. We had to take care of the clicking nails on the floor. Um... But Brian's super generous with his time and his experience, and, and, and there's a wealth of knowledge as well. When I post the Glenn stuff, Glenn was just beyond knowledgeable and open to giving out some of what I, like I said, considered the secret sauce to how he gets the accuracy out of his SP10 system. 
And, oh, I got to clear this up, guys. Everybody's asking and asking and asking. Oh, I'm inundated. If you're not military or law enforcement, you don't need the M. We're talking about the M because Mile High has become the law enforcement distributor for Seekins. The M is a platform and a system for departments in military guys who have a process civilians don't. Uh, Part-wise, your upper, lower, barrel, etc. are exactly the same between an SP-10 and the M. How they put it together and how they QC it, as well as the accompanying specs, proof targets, and things are different. And the maintenance system within it is different. If you're a civilian, you want the SP-10. You can spec out the exact same rifle you saw me shooting. The only difference is it's not going to be locked in and where you can't take it apart like barrel to receiver. You can take that apart in the SP-10. You don't worry about the M. The M is not for you. The M is the cool guy, yada, yada, blah, but it's really, you're getting the same rifle. It's just slightly different. So call, if you call up, you want the SP-10 as a civilian. If you're a military law enforcement person listening to this podcast, you want your unit or division or department to go into a semi-auto platform and you want that platform to be better than any other platform out there and work as a system, exactly. Glenn's mindset was AI. He looked at Accuracy International, how they created a rifle system. These how, ARs are the AI. They're the AI of, of ARs. And that he comes straight out and to say his thought process was, I wanted a rifle that had a similar structure and support setting as the Accuracy International, but to apply that to an AR system. Everybody says, what's the point? It's a Lego gun. Yeah, he gets that. He talks about it. The point is there's a different requirement for military and law enforcement and he's meeting or exceeding that requirement for construction for quality control for maintenance and sustainability after the fact it's a different mindset than the civilian side so with the civilian stuff as always you can upgrade something on the m's you can't right you're going to change uppers yeah you have to change the whole entire upper so you want the sp10 anyways if you know there's military guys that listen to this you guys know when i say uh, oh well my gun is mil spec well mil spec falls in between a two and an eight and i do what i can to make my weapon systems or my firearms not mil spec right better. because i want better parts and pieces <laughs> right you're going to the lowest bidder and getting all this stuff and throwing it all together and hoping that it works and then turning it into the armory and letting these guys mess with it okay that don't Get the mil spec stuff out of your head. You want stuff that's a little bit better than that. And what he's done is is done that, but made it a system. So don't sweat the M. Yeah. Just just get the SP10 and be happy. A lot of lot of questions and comments about how do I get it? What about it? What's the point? What's going on? Guess what, guys? It doesn't apply to you. It applies to these people who have a specific need and purpose. And it the 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 the, the Paperwork, everything has to follow the life of the rifle. It may go through 25 hands in the next 10 years. That still has to follow across and be consistent where your SP-10 rifle straight up, civilian version, doesn't. And that's the difference. So don't don't get wrapped around the, the, the designation or all of that. 
the well, now SP- that you told them that they don't want it and they can't have they it, now they're going to want, want it more. It, right, but the SP10 <laughs> is every bit as accurate. Does ev- everything you saw me do, just pretend I was shooting an SP10. It will do the exact same thing. Absolutely. So. And the, that's kind of why I, we got into those anyways is because they are freaking phenomenal rifles. Yeah. And they so, shoot half minute like they're supposed to out of the gate. You don't have to finesse them. And, and, and Glenn's stuff with the gas systems, with the gas blocks, with the buffer technology, a bulk carrier group, all that stuff translates across all his platforms, not just the M. So building a position, let's let's get back to it. So okay. we were on the tripod, tripod accessories, ball heads, uh, connection devices, uh, system, on down the line. Now, building that actual position, what you were doing and the whys, why, why were you doing it the way you were doing it? Because traditionally what we're looking at is having one of the tripod legs up front and having yes. the two tripod legs in the rear supporting the backside of that so you can maybe push on it and drive into one leg Ex- versus two. And part of it is, is, is like Mike does with his, you know, uh, at Pawnee and stuff. He's letting the rifle do a lot of the work. He's letting the tripod do the work. So yet he reverses that leg so you're not loading into it. He's using that back leg to support and stabilize the tripod, especially up there with the wind. When you're looking this stuff, if you ever shoot off a tripod in the wind, and I'm talking 20 mile an hour plus, mm-hmm. you got to stabilize it more. It's some bouncing people, everywhere. You guys, some people use the hook in the middle and hold their, put their pack to weight it down. Especially if you're powered all the way up. Right. Well, here's the deal. Instead of hanging a weight from the center of the tripod. That's just extra weight you got to carry with you. You're using you, me. I became the weight to hold the tripod down with my leg over it. It also kept my leg up so it doesn't get tired. I can support my firing elbow. And the same thing if we're doing a reverse slope, bringing that one leg up and putting it at shoulder height behind me. I then can use it as a bench. I can put the rifle just slightly off that one leg so I can get in behind it. My firing elbow then goes over the leg to the pistol grip, and then my support hand can hold forward, and now my firing elbow has that tripod leg going under it and locking into the mountain, and I'm leaning on it to hold it down into place. So kind of like a tail rudder. Yes, it's a it's a tail dragger. It's all kinds of stuff. And I'm either using my leg to shoot up or my arm to shoot down to put additional weight and support on the tripod to keep it from moving under the conditions. Were you able to get any uh, media or photos or anything of the downward angle shooting? No, I didn't. We only the... shot off the rock that okay. way after. I didn't get a picture or video because we talked about that after... We got off that part of the mountain because it, it was raining and windy so bad. So I stayed on that one ridge line, and we didn't use the tripod on that ridge line when we were getting soaked and everything. And then when we circled back around towards the house, I shot off the barricade and I did that 400 yard shot because, as you could see, you couldn't see. Mm-hmm. We, we, we the targets then became obstructed. So we went to shorter ranges, and then we went to that flat part, which was only about a six degree angle for the barricade stuff. Then when we came down the mountain, we took all our wet gear off. Well, an hour later after we came down, the sun came out. And then that's when I said to Brian, come show me your tripod position. And he, he showed me and, and spoke about the, the, the reverse slope. 
but we only shot because of where we were the up stuff because that's the only targets that were visible from his back porch. So what you're doing is basically taking out of the three legs, you're taking two and putting them up front. Two forward. And then one to the rear. But And it's also on a different notch. It's not on that same level as the rest of yes, them. Yes, it's on the top. It's flat, really. So Both now that's canted your entire setup upward. Yes. So now... Or you, down, depending. Or, yeah, down, depending. But we're, if we're talking about shooting, let's just talk about shooting upward. So that's taking your entire setup and... And tilting it at almost a 45 degree angle, maybe a little bit more severe. Yep. So now that's where the movement of your ball head comes into play. Yes, or the leveling base, which would have worked. Because if you look, I also extended that back leg all the way out. Yes. So you extend it out, and he will talk about digging it into the mountainside or digging it into the dirt and using your leg to, to, to crunch it down a little bit more. But it's extended out all the way where the front legs might be a little shorter. So you're, you're, you've got that angle going on. And, and it definitely uh, makes a, a bit of a difference when, when you're doing that either up or down. And it goes against the traditional mindset of one leg forward. I'm trying to find it the, on the, here. It's, I know on, it's go on, on Frank's Facebook page. Yeah. Go, go to uh, me and then... You, you can go and grab it. We're, 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 Mike's banned from Facebook, but he's going to go look at me anyway. I'm, just, al I'm allowed to lurk. <laughs> he's allowed to lurk, so go to photos. We just... It's like pretty close up front here. Yeah. There they are. Go Instagram photos. That'll have it. Oh, no, you can't see in that one. But you it's can see it. Point. It is notched yeah, up. That was Lucas. That was one of Mike's... Uh, our Glenn's guys. There it is. Oh, that was just in the was video. Just in the video. You can just go forward and pack through. Right there. Yeah, right here. So from the backside. Yeah, see my legs thrown over it. We're looking at the video now. My legs thrown over it. That holds my leg up in the air. I'm sitting on my foot and getting nice and comfortable. Me sitting on my foot is a comfortable kneeling position. Yeah, and some then, people some people can't get into that position. Right, they so can't you're turn their ride on the ball of your foot right, or something. Or put a bag under it. Put a, it. Yeah, there you go. Or sit on a bag or something like yeah. that. What I'd like to do because I can't get that comfortable like you, I usually sit on a bag mm -hmm. and then go almost Indian style. As I was saying in the previous or podcast. Or crisscross applesauce. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm trying not to be offensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, I've turned uh, over a new leaf since my banning. A trouse, a straight eight. Of wee bag, an air filled across tack air, that's gonna be your best friend in the mountains because you gotta carry it up there, number one, and the air filled bags are lighter. There you go, you found it. And then, you know, your rear bag, it, you want the air or the empty that you can fill with sand when you get up and then throw away when you're going down so you're not hauling extra weight. You can compromise your, your loadout so that the tripod doesn't become a, a, a hindrance to you and you've lightened up your bags. So think about those air-filled bags for that kind of stuff if you're walking up and down mountains, you know. So here's what I like, and they always say a picture paints a thousand words. When you look at this, we go back to, again, fundamentals. What are we doing fundamentally to get in this position? And you can see just from the side position, is Frank is creating 90-degree angles with his shoulder to the gun, down his back, and then there's actually a 90-degree angle from the muzzle of the gun coming down through his foot. So he's actually creating a really good base. So if you look at this and you go, why is he doing it like that? 
Frank's all about 90 degree angles and actually uh, not getting cattywampus on the gun because it's going to affect your yeah, recoil. Yeah, 86.5's not working and, you know, 102.3's no good. I'm doing 90s, 90s, 90s. Shoulder straight across, spine, you know, uh, perpendicular to the travel of the bullet, all these different things. So I'm trying to eliminate angles and the angle I want are square. So that's that's what we're looking at. And then you're looking at it too is, is uh, from the backside... The gun's coming back straight into his shoulders. He's wrapped almost his body around the gun. He's wrapped his uh, leg around the tripod. But look where his elbow's at. It's on the inside of the thigh. So it's not sitting over the top of his knee. It's not behind, you know, in the crook of his waist or something. Yeah, so he's got it nice and relaxed on that tripod. And you can actually, you probably throw a couple bags in there if you wanted to and get into... One would fit between the tripod leg and my knee there or the back of my thigh. Um, I don't know where, right, coming off my ass. I don't know what you would call that part, but... um, Yeah, it's like your your knee pit. Yeah, my knee pit, but just behind it. So you can throw a bag in there if you couldn't get in that position. You could see the space to be able to fit a bag, and that's where I think these other bags come into play when when you're at distance. But check out those images. Check out the video for sure, and then analyze my position. And the big thing to look at after you've looked at me, watch when I shoot at the end of the video – I do like five or six shots with all hits in a row. Watch the muzzle movement on that with that five inch. That is a five inch ultra on there. Watch the movement of the rifle in that position. Here's the thing I really like about that too is because this looks like something that's super advanced. Like somebody can't just go out to the range and try it on their own. It's a kneeling position. It's a kneeling position. It's a supported kneeling position. Yep. And also, all the fundamentals are still there. So if you're watching the video, just watch how he takes his time. He's not like these these shots are coming off fast and they're hitting targets real quick. But he's still doing all the fundamentals to make those shots. So uh, listen for that trigger reset and watch that follow through. You'll hear the click, man. You'll hear the click. Watch the follow through. Yeah. And I got a little bit, if you look at this other photo with Brian in it, I got a little bit of a forward lean where my shoulders are in front of my hips to manage recoil. So if you look at the angle, my back angle almost matches the front leg angle on the tripod. Yeah, it's very, very close. So analyze it, and you can see that I'm almost creating that opposing movement where the rifle's leaning back, and my shoulders and my back are leaning the same amount of distance forward. And, And that will help you kind of analyze my position there. So, And then this is another thing you were talking about. Based off of the height of the tripod... And your actual physical height, where you had the center of balance back towards the magazine well, when you got into a position that was comfortable for you, that's where we're talking about where you look at where the tripod is connected to the fore end of that rifle and that spacing between the mag well and the actual ball head. That's where Frank was able to loosen it up and slide it back into his body into that comfortable position he had already set up. Yep, exactly. I mean, we, we, we talked about the rifle doesn't care if you're comfortable, but you do. You know what I mean? And, and if I can increase that comfort in, in the usability side for me, I'm going to be that much better, that much longer, that much faster, because I'm not compromising an uncomfortable position that I can't wait to get out of. If your brain's telling you this position sucks and you need to get stop sitting like this, or stop standing like this, or stop shooting like this, it's not going to help you. But if you can get a position that says, to your brain says, hey, this feels pretty good and I can do this all day, then you'll be able to do it all day and you'll be that much more effective. 
when you think of sustained rate of fire, you're looking at a 12 to 15 round window in a minute. So think of 12 to 15 rounds, but think of that minute. How long can you actually be in this position? Is this a minute position? Is this a half minute position? You're going to be there for that minute time frame to get those shots off, especially with the semi-auto AR style platform. This is a great way to look at it. And you have to be comfortable for that minute. Now, those of us who've been in a street fight or something that is going to exert a, a lot of energy in a short amount of time, 30 seconds is a long time. It's a lifetime. Even shooting. 30 seconds is a long time, especially when you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Talk about, like, I, uh, I talked about that fundamental eval we did in Alaska where we, we, we have you come up, shoot five rounds, and I'm watching everything you're doing. I got a notepad and pencil there. The and I'm taking notes. The humbler. Well, we had that guy that took and was holding his breath the entire time, and his face was red, the veins were coming out. And here you're shooting five rounds, and it might, you know, probably took him less than a minute, but he held his breath the entire time. Your concept of time disappears. And what'll happen is you'll 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 not realize you're doing all these bad things that are detrimental to shooting well, and you think you're in there for 10 to 15 seconds, and the next thing you know, you're there for 45 doing it wrong. And it, and it adds up. The more you keep doing it that way, the more you, you start, um, you know, putting stress on your body, your eyes, your face, whatever the case may be, because you're holding your breath or doing whatever, the worse it's going to get. Then people start seeing their heartbeat showing up. They, they grip the rifle harder. They're compromising so much more of their position and the shots fall apart as the farther they get into the string. So you'd brought up that, you got or uh, Brian came up with a great. I don't. Let me say this about Brian. This is my experience with Brian. Okay. Um, we we've broke bread together and everything. I really like Brian. He's just a freaking super cool dude. I love talking to him on the phone. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do because he has like the smoothest voice I've ever heard in my entire life. He's just real <laughs> cool, chill. Got that little hint of country accent in Very there. Very country. Oh man, I, I'm like. Mm. That's, I love me some Brian Morgan. Okay, okay, JBM man. That's so if we, if we could get Rhett Walters, Tony Burks, and Brian Morgan to all have like a a, a, a test tube baby, mm -hmm. this would be the sexiest baby on the planet. Yeah, you think so? I think so. Okay, why Rhett? Because his hair and the mustache. Or? He's just he has natural beauty. Do you think so? Okay. I do. Rhett's he a good looking to, dude. He goes to um, what are they called? Grooming salons. Does he? He does. Well, he's got hair, man. You know, I don't. I, he he wakes up and looks that good. Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Anyways, moving on. So the truing, <laughs> the truing target. So um, you had talked about uh, doing a truing target, and you had talked to Austin Angus at AA Targets. Yep. He's a local guy does all of our steel. Uh, really good guy to actually get to know, and and super cool to shoot with. Um, he doesn't hold anything back, but he doesn't. He, he's not in your face. He's super mellow. You know. Yes. He, Austin's. So he'll, Austin's. He'll, he'll he'll tell you what's going on, and and he's a very very calm, cool, collect dude. And I just, I love shooting with him because he knows how to have a good time too. So Brian, this comes from Brian. Brian doesn't have the luxury like we do with a precision basic rifle class. Brian has people that are on the advanced level. He doesn't have time to dope them when they show up from 100 to 1,000 yards. He has to get them up and running quickly. He has to go straight to performing. Right. And they're using Kestrels, okay? So they have to true because they're, they're and, and let me tell you something. 
if you look at it, if you move around, especially if you're at sea level and then you go to these angles and you start playing around, if I'm here in Colorado, if I true my Kestrel and then go to Florida to core, I have to retrue. And it's usually to the tune of about 50 feet per second. Now, I'm fixing that a little bit better by doing the BC before I do the muzzle velocity. But if you look at Kestrel, what does it want you to do? It wants you to change your muzzle velocity. Okay? If you change your muzzle velocity, and I've seen more than 100 feet per second. And we're talking about the AB Kestrel. Yeah, AB Kestrel. It, it, I, I've seen it where guys have adjusted their number by more than 100. I was checking out your moccasins. My moccasins. Did you my, just get those? No, those these, are are nice. my, these are my dress slippers. Damn. Sorrells, man. Um, so if, you, if you're going from Colorado to Florida, or me, and I've done this every time, I've seen guys have to change their muzzle velocity truing a Kestrel by more than 100 feet per second. That just means your Kestrel's only good under your conditions. If you start moving, you got to retrue. And this is what Brian deals with with these guys coming from the East Coast to Idaho. They go, they have to check true, check their dope, make sure everything's good. So what he did is he took an Ipsic target at 800 yards. Well, he placed another target in front of it and created two complete target systems, but he lined them up so one target was in front of the other. So what, I look, what kind of distance are you? 800. Looking? He's at 800, and he's got a six-degree angle on it. it when he's, well, both those targets are what? Oh, they're like of two feet apart. Yeah, yeah, they're like two feet apart from each other. Okay. One's just in front of the other. So if you're aiming at the IPSC, you have this bar in front of you. And so what you're really looking to do is hit the bar, not the IPSC. So I went to Austin and contact Austin. And I talked to Brian. I told him I was going to steal his idea and take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Typical. Yeah, Typical yeah. industry guy. Industry guy. I'm going to be an industry guy and take Brian's idea. <laughs> we say this about a couple other industries. There's, there, there's never been somebody else's other good or somebody else's good idea they didn't like for themselves. Right. I told him I was going to do the same thing. So, what I told Austin to do was I want an IPSC target at 800 yards, but then just off the T post. And the only reason I'm making it separate is because of a light flash, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So I put my IPSC target down. Think of a rectangle that is now going to slide over the top of the IPSC. So if the T-post in IPSC is about, what, six inches wide, you think, from the back of the T-post to the front of the IPSC that we have out there? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. About six? Yeah. So I'm taking a 12-inch bracket, and I'm going around the IPSC with a 12-inch bracket. So if I have to put a second T-post, I can, and I probably will. But the be, I think it would be smart to do yes. just because of the land and stuff. The, the initial <clears throat> thought was I, I now made a two-tenths mil bar. So to put it at 800 yards, I had Austin make it five and three-quarter wide. This bar will then attach and have a magneto speed target indicator on it, the, 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 the flasher. I can paint the bar medium gray because medium gray is a good color I don't have to repaint. So today, if we're going to go true a target at 800 yards, we have that rectangle out there, that 18 with by... With the water line on it. Right, with a water line on it. If you, me, and 10 people from the class shoot it... With the water line, we're looking basically at a, a red spray painted line that's halfway in the through middle. the target. Yeah. Right, we just basically... I paint the target white, I take a can of red... Or black, I spray it across dead center, and that way I tell a student, 
hold the black line, shoot, we adjust his dope until he's within the adjustment error of the scope to within the black line, and we write that number down. That means you're, you're good. Well, with That's exactly why I like diamonds. Right. Mike likes the diamond because you're going to cut the diamond from point to point, your horizontal point to point, and you know you're centered up. So you have an aiming point, you have a centered up, and when you hit in the middle of the diamond, you're good. Well, with this truing target, ipsix in the ground, rectangles in the ground, bar across it. So now it looks like across the center of the chest of the ipsix, I have a three-foot belt. Okay? You're going to hold your reticle on that belt. You're going to fire. If you hit the ipsic, we're going to adjust you up and down to the belt. When you hit the belt, the magneto speed light will flash. We're done. And you've won your achievement. You won your achievement. You got a trophy. So, what does it say? Oh, no. Built-in battery needs charging. Fuck, I hope it's still recording. It is. Okay, fucking recorders <laughs> fucking bite. Big old error comes up. It better be recording. I will be so fucking pissed. <laughs> I told you that's why I've become paranoid about yes. these things. I've gotten up and checked this recorder like seven times in the last ten minutes. Fucking, if I'm not in front of my damn computer on my fucking setup, this, I'm getting pissed with these recorders. I really am. So anyway... Now, I could bring a class. So it's going to light up. Yes, it'll right. light up and flash. And you get your achievement. You get your achievement, put your dope into the fucking computer, and true it. <laughs> now you're good. You still kind of worked out. You're, you're coming off of that high. Coming off that high. I thought we were going to have Lost Tapes Part 2. <laughs> Fuck. So that's what you're looking to do. You're, 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 you're looking to true it. I wish you guys could have heard the conversation that I had with Frank after. Because I'm like... What was it, Sunday or was Sunday, it? Sunday, I was Sunday? driving. You were driving home, and my phone's ringing. And te- uh, generally, our primary means of communication is text. He had to call me about this. And as soon as I pick up the phone, it's... I mean, he was going The string of profanity was for, even too much for fucking the podcast. Remember when I said 30 seconds is a long time? This was like five minutes. He, I didn't even get a word in. I was just laughing. And I wasn't laughing at you, yeah, I laughed right. at the, the situation, situation because that stuff is funny to me. I yeah. like awkward situations. Yes. They just get more awkward. But I also like it when Frank's angry. Now I don't like it when you're personally angry. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. it when you when, when I'm venting at someone when you're else. Venting, yes. Venting is a good word. Yes. I wish you guys would have heard that conversation. It was awesome. So I also I had also make a couple of them. So what we'll do is our eight hundred yard targets now will become two truing targets. And I got to get a hold of Ryan. Hey, I need a second Magneto speed light. Oh, uh, uh, Randy has one, doesn't he? Well, he might. Uh, maybe I'll steal Randy's. Randy, I'm stealing your light react. Or not light react, but the, yeah, I have the light reacts out there too from Mark Suley. I could either do a light react or I could do a Magneto speed. I think I'm going to do the Magneto speed because the way the bar is designed and I'm putting it on the bar. And if it gets shot, it's no big deal. Plus, I made the bar three foot. So it's a 36-inch bar. It's a 0.2 tenths mil height, and we'll be able to true off of that. So it'll be money. Um, but that's what we're looking to do, and that's what Brian's doing out there. And huge props to him. And he had like four by four posts with like a swinger to his bar, and then he had a hard mounted ipsic behind it. And I just streamlined it by having Austin make a T post rectangle that'll now go over the ipsic. 
and the two will work together, and then the hardware will be protected behind the IPSC. Are you worried about it sagging in the front at all? I thought of that. I, I don't, it shouldn't, because he can make the, the sides really thin. I don't know how he's going to do it yet, but he can make the, 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 the bars really thin, and then it... It yeah, the only thing I would be concerned about is kind of drooping in the front. Maybe put up those, you know. Yeah, so we'll have to. How we lock it to the T post will matter. Yeah. How we lock it to the T post is going to matter. And when we get this, when we get this thing up, maybe we should post something up. About yeah, it I'm going to do a video it. and a picture of yeah, it because I mean it, it. It's a good idea. It works with the kestrels. You can then put in your 800 yard dope. The bitches with some of you guys with your kestrels, you have to be careful because. Like with your 6.5s, your 300 wind mag stuff, it might want 13, 1400 yards to true at if you use that DSF. 1333. Yeah, is that one year's? Yeah. So, one of them, anyways. So, that you don't have that range. So, we're compromising, and what you might do is make your, a, a separate track that lines up 800 yards to begin with. So, look at the things we have to adjust for your Kestrel. We got to look at your muzzle velocity, we got to look at our BC. And then we got a true to distance on a target at like 800 yards at a minimum. You know what I mean? With a 308, 800 is a money spot. So that's why he does 800 yards. I may end up moving one of these truing targets and get another one and move it to 1200. You know, for yeah. us. Or even 400. Or four, yeah, no, like farther. Like four, eight, I don't think four 12. will work. It's too close. Um, if we do a single, like a tenth. Like a tenth one, yeah. That'll help to do four... Eight twelve hundred. Yeah. So maybe we'll confirm the short end, the eight hundred. You hear us talking end. about a lot of truing stuff, and this is one of the reasons I like diamonds is because it has that longer center area, and we'll talk more about diamonds in another yeah. episode. But the reason I like it is because it has that longer center area, and if if your elevation's off and your wind is off, you're done. You yeah. missed it. But if you can actually true up on that diamond then your elevation is absolute. Both of them are good. Yeah, both are good. Um, but we talk about a lot of truing because if you look at the software, all the stuff that's out there, um, a lot of it is based off of theory. So what it's going to do at this distance and what, you yeah. know, what um, the numbers, the numbers right. that you got from the manufacturer of the bullets versus the numbers that you got from online versus the numbers that you have in your, in your program are all different yeah. and something is going to change. Now your elevation is going to change. Your, pr your pressure is going to change. There's again, the, the elements and a ton of variables the, that the all X have... factor yeah. plus the shooter. The shooter is the biggest X. Yep. So now you have all these things trying to work together. You have to true your stuff out to distance. Mm -hmm. You have to and mess with those numbers to get those proper, uh, to get those hits on those targets. I mean, when we had Glenn, Glenn showed up with his stuff already. We had to change a whole bunch of numbers to get Glenn in. But, you know, not a bad thing, but we had to change yards to meters, number one, because Brian's laser was in meters. Then we had to change the corrected angle to straight angle because we were using that. Then we had to change and put in the slope for every shot we took. But then once we did, the, hit, the success Everything rate was started, huge. Yeah, and you and, can see it just in what you mm -hmm. guys filmed. And the funny thing is, and I saw this at King of Two Mile, because they hang at King of Two Mile, the targets hung on the side of the mountain in Raton. They rappelled down to put it up. They're shooting up on it a bit of an angle to this target. Well, I watched a lot of guys have a bad call. Elevation-wise? Yes, because what happens is that you were getting fooled or the delay in the spot was fooling you. And Brian talked about this a lot. It happens in the mountains all the time. 
Guy'll shoot, he'll miss, and he'll go, oh, I hit low. But he didn't. He hit high. He just saw it. And it might go under the target and skip up or go over the target and skip down, mm. depending on the angle you're shooting at. Like shooting up, people would hit low and they thought they hit high. Well, and you see that too when somebody clips the edge of a target. And it goes but, off. But the target doesn't move and it goes off 30 feet to the right. Yes, all the time. We get that a lot at our 1440 because it doesn't move and it's so far away. They'll, 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 be, they'll be like edge of plate, edge of plate, and all of a sudden 30 feet to the right. And you go, well, what the hell? It clipped the edge of the target. And if we go up there, we'll see a copper streak on the side. Mm -hmm. And you've just caught, like you missed the tip, but you've caught the edge yeah. and it goes off. So guys will actually make mistakes, and this is where your, your spotter and your position come into play. I'm shooting up. I hit low, but the bullet skips up high. And the spot, there might be a delay Clips in the, the reaction. The rock, especially at that distance yes. with that caliber, it still has a little bit of energy left, and mm -hmm. it, still, it still wants to keep moving. In the trajectory, coming in. But you won't see that initial hit. Yes. The, the angle's coming up. The trajectory's up and coming down. And it'll fool you into your spot. So you have to be careful that you're, you're not making a correction based off a false assumption was another thing that we looked at and that happened quite often. So there you go. That's crazy stuff, man. That's a good debrief, dude. Uh, some of it sound familiar from the last episode. Yeah, it, there's a bunch of it, but I was on a roll, man. It's still not the same. I was, I was, I was filling in stuff like... But this is the, the data... The information sharing part is the same. The entertainment value of it is gone. It's different. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a different entertainment value, but the data sharing is the same. Good. Like I said, Brian, I, I want to thank him. He's a monster resource. He's generous in how he shares his information. And, and in this industry, that's not a common. There's a lot of people that have to protect their fiefdoms, that want to pretend they're selling you voodoo, that want to say that they're the only ones that can teach this, they're full of shit, okay? And the fact that you have guys out there that will, will share what they've learned without the worry that you might take business from them is huge. And, and that's what you're looking at. Who's actually out there sharing information? Who's actually out there pretending that it's a voodoo and that they're the only ones who can do it and nobody else has this figured out but them? There was a lot of discussion of, of, it was a specific thing I won't get into, but there was like three topics where supposedly this one group solved the problem. And it's like, okay, how'd they solve it? And it's like, well, they shot it and they hit. That didn't solve the problem. They just kept throwing lead until right. they finally got it. Yeah, how many shots? Exactly. Or what caliber? Mm -hmm. Or what were they doing? Solving the problem goes beyond getting a hit out of 10, 20, 30 shots. It goes to an explanation. Yes. Why? Did, how did you solve the problem and why is it working better than shooting and just seeing it moving? You know, so. And then the other thing that I came up on my travels, I saw a guy. So I have a new word for my haters out there. What do you got? I got a new word for him. And this was in my, this was in my lost tapes as well. <laughs> so now I'm going to refer to all you guys as crickets. So you're the crickets out there? Just chirping? Because the, chir the crickets are chirping, right? The crickets are all out there chirping. You know, Frank's this, Frank's that. But yet when I walk by, they stop. 
When I'm standing in front of them. I've seen this. This is actually kind of funny. I'm, it, it doesn't happen anymore. Right. I'm like, yeah. well, and then they that's start. Good, then they that's start a good analogy. Playing around, you know. They're the cricket, the cricket, the cricket. And then it's okay. Well, here I am telling me, well, I agree with this. I don't like that. I agree. I agree. And, and it's like there's 10 things they agree with and one thing they don't like. And like the last like three people who did that told me they didn't like the level of swearing. So they agree with the message, but not how it's delivered. So now... You know what it's going to take? It's going to take just one time of you to get banned on Facebook. Yes, I can to, go do that. To turn over a new leaf. I will go get banned on... I've never been banned on... I can, though. I, but I, that, to, I find that unbelievable. To my, <laughs> to my crickets out there, I hear you chirping, guys. I'm coming. That way there you can, you can rest your jaws a little bit when I walk by. Hopefully we got a lot of good information out to you guys. There's a lot of wind stuff, a lot of tripod stuff. Monster in the last dope, couple, man. Monster yeah. drop. And you you brought it up in the last episode with Brian knowing his area that he's shooting. Okay, today I'm going to hold high and left, or at this time I'm going to do this. Yep. And that comes back to data of the previous engagement. That's why Frank is telling you guys to write this stuff down and know the areas that you're shooting in and know what's going on. And like you're shooting a local match, you know – this time of the day, yeah. it's going to be super windy, and this time of the day, it's going to calm down. And we can generally predict a lot of that stuff with the the environment that we're in. So it's really on to you guys to go out there and gather that data. Walk around with that Kestrel, know your gun, understand your equipment, actually use your equipment, and go, am I going to take my equipment and jump into this position for X amount of time? How can I get into the position, get out of the position, and move on to another position? Yep, practice that. And, and if you have downtime between your stages and you're shooting a competition, write this stuff down, what you're doing. Give yourself a diary of it because what will happen is you, you're using a Kestrel. Nothing wrong with it. Everything's good. You go up and before you hit the stage, you punch in the number. Boom, boom, boom. I'm shooting 675. It tells me to hold 4.2 mils. Okay, I go up. I go shoot 4.2 mils, 675. Well, you don't remember because then you go off socializing I mean, the Kestrel knows, but what happens if you run your Kestrel over and you break it? What happens if, the, you know, something fails or the next thing you know, those, those electrodes are corrupted because you don't have a lithium battery in it? Anything like that can go wrong, like these fucking recorders, man, that keep driving us crazy. <laughs> you know, something can go wrong and you can lose it. So write it down and have a backup. Here's one thing that's really helped me in my shooting is having a shooting partner, having somebody out there with me. Get it's Adam, it's Frank. I spent a lot of time in the vehicle with Adam to and from a match. Coming back from a match, we're talking about that match. We're talking about each and every stage, what we could have done differently and what we needed to capitalize on. And that stuff kind of gets into your brain and it starts to help you make those connections yep. so that you can get onto that target faster and more efficiently. All right, man, we're over our hour. We got to run. Um. This is Frank from Sniper's Hide. Come on into the forums. Let's talk about it some more, man. Screw Facebook. Mike's banned. There's no reason to be on it. And uh, <laughs> Come on over to the Everyday Sniper um, Podbean app. Listen to it. You can comment on the Podbean app if you can't comment to Mike directly on Facebook. I'll be back in a few hours. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll be back. So They can't keep me down. Give this is call. Mike from Mile High Shooting, and you can reach me at 303 303- Two five five nine 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 nine. If you believe a message, have faith. I will call you back. It may not be within the next ten minutes. Yes, and Frank from Sniper's Hide. You can find me at Low Light at Sniper's Hide. Cool. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Sniper. Cheers.